Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. This is GoPowerCat.com publisher Tim Fitzgerald with great news to share with our valued 24-7 sports VIP members. As a way of saying thank you, a subscription to a CBS all-access commercial-free plan is now included with your 24-7 sports VIP membership at no additional cost. Watch all of your favorite shows on demand along with exclusive access to GoPowerCat's award-winning and one-of-a-kind coverage of Kansas State sports. Stream more than 10,000 episodes all access originals and live TV, including NFL on CBS games. Enjoy the CBS all access commercial free plan, a $99 and 99 cent annual value for the lifetime of your 24 seven sports VIP membership. It's an incredible added value for our subscribers and it's time you probably take advantage of this deal and become a go Powercat member. And remember to subscribe to the PowerCat Podcast at your favorite podcast provider, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Now, here is your PowerCat Podcast. The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat pregame podcast, presented by Robbins Motor Company, and it starts right now. Now, let's go to the WTC Gig Powered Studios. Here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Kansas State continues its string of five games played in the month of November on Saturday as the Wildcats travel to Lubbock to face Texas Tech, looking to snap a two-game skid and elevate its bowl standing. The game, which kicks at 6 p.m. and will air on FS1, can be heard across the 39-station K-State Sports Network. Welcome to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. K-State fans, visit the Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan for an exciting test drive. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. Yes, K-State is bowl eligible under first-year head coach Chris Kleiman and is looking to get back on on the winning track after two straight disappointing losses by a combined seven points. Despite losing those two in a row, K-State is 6-4 and four on the season and 3-4 and four in the Big 12. Texas Tech enters the game with a 4-6 and six overall record and a 2-5 and five mark in conference play under first-year coach Matt Wells. The Red Raiders dropped a 33-31 decision to TCU 
at home last week. The Wildcats are on pace to finish the 2019 season in the top 10 in school history and team rushing yards, but getting that running game back in gear will be vital if Climbing's Wildcats want to earn this conference road win. K-State has given up just eight passing TDs this season, which is tied for the sixth fewest nationally this year, but three of those came last week in a 24-20 loss to West Virginia in Manhattan. On offense, the Red Raiders are one of the top passing teams in the country, averaging 312.9 yards a game through the air. Quarterback Jet Duffy has thrown for more than 2,000 yards and 14 touchdowns, while the Red Raiders have eight wide receivers with 20 or more catches. On defense, Tech boasts the Big 12's leading tackler in Jordan Brooks at 102, but the senior linebacker may be limited again this week with a lingering shoulder injury. Injury. Coach Chris Kleiman knows this. If his Wildcats want to win this game, they will have to be much better in all three phases of the game than they were last week in that loss to the Mountaineers. When you're going to be into the games that we've been into, 27-24, 24-20, those are critical plays. If you're in a 10-7 game, yeah, yeah, those things are going to be an impact, but maybe not as much. If you're in a 56-52 game, they're not. But where we're at right now, where it comes down to all three phases having to be on point, all three phases for us have to play well or not lose that phase for us to be successful. You're right, you can forget the stats. They were, they were able to get uh, a couple of turnovers. They were able to flip the field, um, and the penalties obviously gave them the one possession. We don't have to play perfect, but we have to play more consistently in all three phases. And, and we're well aware of that, guys, that, uh, um, you know, it's not just the run game. There's some things in the throwing game. It's, it's protection. It's, um, it's running the right route. It's, it's reading the right coverage on, how, it's, on how, how we're turning the coverage. Is it single high, two high, just like on defense? It's not just the coverage. Uh, sometimes it's, it's, it's a run uh, pressure that doesn't get home. Sometimes it's missing contain um, on a pass play, and then all of a sudden the guy gets outside of contain, and now it extends a play. All those things are a factor. That's why... You know, for us, it was it was not easy. But to explain to the guys, hey guys, this is a team loss. Coaches, offense, defense, teams, and uh, we need to continue. We need to continue to improve because we knew we were going to have some problems. We knew we were going to have some uh, some tough times. But uh, um, we got to move on. We got to keep getting better. And now we get into our Go Powercat roundtable session. I am joined by Ryan Wallace, Rowdy Gates, D. Scott Fritchen. It's your crew. It's your unbeatable team of coverage analysts. I don't know why I said that, but that's what I'm going to call you guys. And I just had a nice quote from Chris Kleiman about how they just essentially have to be better. They have to be better in all three phases of the game. And I didn't think they were sharp enough on offense, on defense, or special teams against a West Virginia team that was just good enough to win on an off day for the Wildcats. But it goes down as a loss for K-State. Ryan Wallace, you look back at that game last Saturday, and I imagine, like the rest of us, you were somewhat perplexed. But what do you take away from that contest? Honestly, I mean, surprised uh, is an understatement because that seemed like the exact type of, of game that, you know, Kansas State had to have and, and would have after kind of a tough break in Austin. To come out and play as flat, you know, as they did, we heard from 
I think Jordan Mitty in post game, I was listening to it from um, um, the radio in Kansas City, and Jordan Mitty kind of admitted that you know that he just felt like the team kind of came out flat. And obviously in the Big 12, you can't do that. But it was surprising to have the team come out flat in a game that you would think would would be a nice bounce back game for them. But what was I, I think what I'm going to take away from it um, is just the fact that it was eerily similar to games where Andre Coleman was the offensive coordinator <laughs> and Tom Hayes was the defensive coordinator because you had uh, the defense that uh, just seemed to be allowing big play after big play, um, it, both in the middle of the field where it seemed like West Virginia wanted to exploit K-State's linebackers and then also over the top where kind of confused some of the K-State safeties. Uh, and then on offense, it, it was just – not the Courtney Messingham scheme that we had seen for the better part of the season that had been working up until lately where the offensive line had problems, although I will admit, and I tried to kind of convey this last week, that West Virginia's front was legitimate, you know, as far as their ability to pressure the quarterback, but at the same time, um, to just not be able to find any any sort of rhythm, both in the passing game and the running game, against a defense, um, regardless of the scheme, that was playing a lot of uh, new faces in a road environment for them. Very, very, very surprising just on all levels. And honestly, Fitz, as I throw it back, probably you know one of the most disappointing losses, at least in my mind, going back to uh, maybe the road loss at, at Vanderbilt a couple of years ago. Yeah, it was very disappointing. This was a winnable game. I know West Virginia came in with a good defensive plan rally. But Kansas State's offensive line couldn't sustain blocks, couldn't get that running game going. The running backs are a little bit beaten up. So this is going to be kind of a shotgun question. I'm going to throw a lot of stuff at you. They've been saying we need to get our running backs back. They had their three top guys in this game, and they ran the inverted wishbone like three times. I was a little perplexed at what they were trying to accomplish offensively. I thought they slid into the realm of, dare I say, predictable on offense with that running game. they got to find something that works running the ball because it all starts there. Predictable and and just uncreative, you know, like it, it didn't seem like they were necessarily trying to stretch the field at all, you know, kind of with Jordan Brown in there. They weren't trying to throw a change up with, with Harry Trott or anything like that. It seemed like they said, James, Jordan, here's the ball, go up the middle with it. And hopefully you yeah. get a hole. And, and it was very odd, especially considering how poor the offensive line was playing. We talked about this on, on the podcast earlier this week and just how, you don't want to totally blame or put a lot of the weight onto one group's shoulders, but this is not a coincidence anymore. This is a correlation. This is cold, hard facts. The four games that K-State has lost this year, the offensive line has just been whooped. I mean, it hasn't even been close which battle in the trenches, which way that it was won, and it's towards the other team's defense. Um, oftentimes, we're seeing offensive linemen watch their running backs get tackled, which is just it's dumbfounding to me. And so, I mean, yeah, I just I think it's honestly that simple with the running game. They're healthy for the most part. I mean, as healthy as you're going to be 10 games right. into the season at the running back position. So it's as simple to me as the offensive line simply needs to execute better. And I think it's pretty telling that James Gilbert has now said not once but twice because he said it in post game and he said it on Tuesday. Guys aren't necessarily just getting the blocks out there. And um, I think that's what's being conveyed to the team. You know, I don't think he's necessarily trying to throw the offensive line under the bus. I think he's calling it out as, as they're calling it out in film. They have a good scheme drawn up. 
But if the offensive line doesn't do their jobs, it's not going to go anywhere. The offensive line, the running game, D. Scott Fritchin, is this team. It really is. I know it's easy to say that sets up the offense. It sets up the passing game, yada, yada, yada. The running game sets up the defense. It's about time of possession. It's about wearing down the opposing defense and keeping your defense fresh. For this Kansas State team to succeed, and Chris Kleiman has mentioned it, hinted at it, outright said it, you got to run the ball. You got to run the ball well and do it definitively and be confident in it. And this team is struggling with it. They've got to find the bread and butter and serve it up. Well, and it hasn't mattered if if they've been facing a three-man front or a four-man front or both. They've been sliced and diced and angled and pressured and attacked and uh, just have not looked the same since they did earlier in the season. You know, one thing that really struck out to me, and, and I looked it up, A total of 22 out of 64 rushing attempts by K-State over the last two games have resulted in zero yards or negative yardage. So you were talking about one out of every three carries is going for negative yardage. Zero or negative. Yeah. It's incredible. It really is. It just shows how much this running game has lost its way, how much this offense is a little bit lost. Wally, they threw the ball downfield on the first play of the game, and they got exactly the look they wanted, they expected. They kind of caught West Virginia thinking uh, they're going to run it. That's what they do, and they threw it down the field. And then they kind of backed off of that against a West Virginia defense that uh, gives up some big plays. Now, this Texas Tech team, I don't know if you want to get into shootout with Jet Duffy and company. You'll probably lose that. You're not fully equipped to do that. But they give up passing yards. So you kind of got to balance that in there where you want to go deep and you want to get after them while still running the ball. It's kind of trying to get the right ingredients into the stew. And without the right ingredients, this team doesn't run right. Yeah, and I mean, I think it goes back a little bit to what Riley was pointing out, which is, you know, not just the predictability part of it, but just getting a little bit more creative with how K-State is an offense, let's be honest, that no matter who's calling the plays, at least with the tools at hand right now where you don't don't have a choice, you have to be creative. And because I think we've been harping on this, at least on the message boards, and probably here if we went back and listened to a lot of our pregame shows where, you know, let's... Other than Malik Knowles, there aren't a lot of dynamic receivers that this group has. We we figure that Josh Youngblood will eventually develop into that, and he's a guy that I think they absolutely have to get more involved into the game plan. But Dalton Schoen's not a guy that has consistently, aside from at least that, that opening play on Saturday, can show that he can be a big play threat. You know, Landry Weber isn't that guy. Joaquin Gill, for the most part, isn't that guy, and, and it goes on down the list. So, They've got to get creative, and, and when you go back and look at West Virginia, the, the best drive, the opening drive, uh, the, the second uh, drive to, to start that game, and also the, the first drive of the second half, uh, it seemed like Courtney Messingham had some more motion. You know, he had things happening pre-snap um, just to kind of keep the defense honest and, and maybe question their alignment and their assignments at times. With Texas Tech, it's a defense that actually has some guys, uh, you know, if you – you throw out the stats a little bit. They have some playmakers at all three levels. Eli Howard is good up front. Rico Jeffers and Jordan Brooks are a pretty solid tandem at linebacker. And Douglas Coleman um, is one of the top you know, interception guys in the Big 12. Um, but beyond that, 
they have a lot of question marks. And so I think this would be an ideal week. Um, again, I, we said it last week, to really get a little bit more creative, roll the dice here and there. Um, and like D. Scott said, you know, try and pound that running game. And, and even if it doesn't go anywhere, even if you are losing yards, just to try and keep that defense honest. And then you have to try and catch them by surprise with the vertical attack because I just don't think K-State has the pieces at hand um, and the consistency to pass protect up front to just completely kind of abandon the run game and, and try and become a, a Texas Tech on offense. That's just not going to happen. One of the things that I've been clamoring for the last two weeks is exactly what worked so well on that first play to Dalton shown the play action. We hardly saw any of it at Texas. And then at, against West Virginia, we saw it on that first play. Harry Trotter sold the fake really well. Dalton Schoen was wide open. And then I felt like they went away from it. Now, I'm not saying you can run play action on every single possession you have the ball. I mean, then you're just going to be telling the defense, hey, at some point we're going to run a play action. Be ready for it. But you got to start peppering that in some more. I mean, throughout the game, if you're not establishing that run, then they're going to continue to pack the box. They're going to continue to send blitzes. And one of the ways you can keep the defense honest, like Wally was just saying, is that play action. And, you know, I just I haven't seen it enough from K-State. I don't know how many plays they have in their playbook that is drawn up um, for play action like that. But, man, I just I feel like they've been underutilizing this. And it's worked very well when they've had the play action in there. So I'd like to see more of that. Um, I I really think it could play to K-State's favor and, and keep both the pass and the run far more open. What's odd is most of the time you have to go into a game and establish your run to establish the play action. The way both Texas and West Virginia defended Kansas State is they established a play action for you at the get-go by saying, hey, we're going to put seven, eight guys in the box, whatever it takes, cover your man out on the edge. And, man, play action set up from the very first snap of the game, and we saw that, and then they don't get back to it. They don't throw deep. And D. Scott Fritchin, I'm asking for everything. I just want it all. I want a great running game that is effective, that wears out the defense. But you got to have those explosive plays. you got to swing for the fence once in a while. I'd like to study all the tape of Texas Tech's defense and see how many times they have been victimized because of the play action, because I think that could be great for K-State. The Red Raiders rank next to last in 130 teams in the FBS. They allow 67 plays of 20-plus yards and 24 plays of 40-plus yards this season. Guys, that is a lot. So far this season in the last seven games, Red Raiders have allowed teams to rack up more than 500 total yards of offense. But the thing with the quarterbacks as well, opposing quarterbacks are averaging nearly five completions of 20-plus yards against this Texas Tech team. I I would expect Skylar Thompson to be able to have some opportunities. Well, if you look at Texas Tech, you look at their statistics, defense bad, offense acceptable. And it really comes down to Jet Duffy. He wasn't supposed to be the quarterback. You could almost see Coach Wells not wanting him to be the quarterback. But he's the quarterback, you know, just out of fate. And the kid is really good or he's not really good. You don't know what you're going to get from Jet Duffy, but he is an athlete and he can pose problems for you either as a thrower or just a guy that can move around and make things happen. And those things have both posed problems for Kansas State. Well, yeah, I mean, let's be honest here. Jet Duffy kind of is the ground game 
for the Red Raiders. I, you can't allow him to get going because that is part of what makes Texas Tech so dangerous. In a way, they sort of remind me, at least from the receiver's point of view, of Kansas. They spread it around, but they're, they get a lot of their big chunk plays on these highlight reel catches. Uh, that's how they got this team back into the game last week against TCU. They've thrown a couple bombs, but again, to open that up, Jet Duffy's been able to kind of you know, scramble, um, pick up some yards with his feet because, you know, as far as just handing the ball off to Zon Henry, um, Sir Roderick Thompson is a freshman, and he's their leading rusher with only 595 yards. So uh, Jet Duffy is not a guy who is going to scramble. They don't have any design runs really for him, but he's a guy that can make plays on his feet. So, you know, K-State's linebackers got exploited at times last week in the passing game. They have to be a little bit more sound this week in preventing scrambles and really locking down the run, which uh, I, I think is probably more in in their they're more their mo anyway. You know that's what DeQuan Patton and uh, Eli Sullivan are, are good at. And so in a way, K State has struggled at times with dual threat quarterbacks, but I think this kind of contest against Jet Duffy, this this battle, maybe comes at the right time for him. I hope they're watching a lot of the tape against Spencer Sanders from that yeah. Oklahoma State game. I mean, it, Spencer Sanders, I think, is better. Oklahoma State as a team is better, and they obviously had a, a better weapon in Tylen Wallace at the time, but it kind of feels a lot like that situation. I mean, Spencer Sanders wasn't a guy that was going to necessarily be the leading rusher for Oklahoma State, but he was the guy that you had to respect on every single play because you want to send a blitz, fine, he can either beat you in the air or he can outrun you. You want to give him time back there, he can still throw it. I mean, they both throw the ball and run the ball so effectively. And, you know, we've we've heard the talk, oh, Sam Ellinger, he's a dual threat quarterback. Well, kind of, not really. This is a true dual threat quarterback, and I think that that Oklahoma State tape can, can really benefit K-State this week. Ironically, the time they got hurt the most by a running quarterback was Max Duggan yeah. at TCU, <laughs> who's not a running quarterback. <laughs> but he did have success running the ball on scrambles last week at Tech, and I thought that was interesting. Another thing that's very interesting to me, D. Scott, is we're talking about an offense led by a quarterback named Jet, and they go fast. And that is a point that Chris Kleiman and the defense are worried about. They come at you play after play after play. Absolutely. Texas Tech isn't averaging as many points as it has in previous seasons, but in total offense, they're averaging nearly 500 yards a game. Get this, Texas Tech ranks 15th nationally with 775 total offensive plays. They read 95 against Montana State. They actually had a season low 51 against TCU last week, and it'll be interesting to see if K-State is able to maintain possession of the ball and be able to slow them down a little bit. But this is a very fast offense. Trey Deshaun said, my freshman year, we played Pat Mahomes here and chipped out a win, but that was the fastest game I've ever played in. And it sounds like it's going to be much the same this time. It's interesting because the systems are different, but the paces are the same. And I just know this one thing, Ryan Wallace, about this game. K-State has played strange games the last two weeks. Hard to explain losses um, in some ways and easy in other ways. I just know this. Going to Lubbock for a night game. Weird stuff is going to happen. It's going to be an unpredictable, strange game, meaning it's either going to be a shootout in which K-State somehow looks fully equipped to do it, or it's just going to be a low-scoring, methodical game that you can't explain how it developed. Things get weird in Lubbock at night, and I know you just think Lubbock's weird. 
It, Lubbock is weird. You know, you you embrace the weird if you're Lubbock. Uh, now it's funny going back to what uh, D. Scott was just talking about. Interestingly enough, you know, Texas Tech's offensive coordinator he is new, as is you know their entire staff with Matt Wells, but. Dave Yost, who some K-State fans might remember from uh, back in the, the old Big 12 days with Missouri, um, that, that high-flying offense that Gary Pinkle used to run, um, that was partially Dave Yost for a number of years there. So could it be a shootout? Um, I wouldn't doubt it. I, I started kind of going back through the history books a little bit, and surprisingly enough, K-State has scored a lot of points in Lubbock against Texas Tech in general. You know, the last time the Wildcats didn't score at least 40 points in Lubbock, Mike Leach was still the Red Raiders head coach. <laughs> and, and and really, before last year's 21-6 to win in Manhattan, K-State had rattled off seven games in a row where they scored at least 40 on Texas Tech, regardless of, of who the home team was. So would it surprise me if this was another shootout? Not one bit, because Again, you don't expect that from K-State uh, in Lubbock, but again, Lubbock is weird. And you mentioned the game in Lubbock and, and how it's been an interesting kind of strange year for Texas Tech. And I think it's, it, it was a good move by Texas Tech to go with a, quote, blackout for this game and having it at nighttime because I get the vibe that this has kind of been an apathetic crowd for the most part here late in the year for them. So anything they can do to really juice the crowd up is a good thing. Again, another thing that's interesting that you would have an apathetic crowd when the team's been fairly competitive. We talk about, you know, how awful their defense is and obviously the wins aren't coming um, as quickly as Red Raiders would hope under Matt Wells, but you take away their big loss against Oklahoma, their average defeat fits is only like six and a half points. Crazy. You know, if you're a Texas Tech fan, this has got to seem like a boring brand of football compared to Kingsbury and Leach. And maybe it reminds you of Tuberville a little bit in between there. But this is still a pretty wide open offensive brand they're playing. At K-State, this would be known as a circus. <laughs> I mean, it's just crazy. But let's get back to this topic, D. Scott. Night games in Lubbock. They're having a blackout, and I'll guarantee you one thing. The student body will be mostly blacked out. <laughs> it's just going to be chaos. <laughs> I read this in the Texas Tech media guide. Texas Tech is 40-14 and 14 in night games at Jones AT&T Stadium. 74% winning percentage on Saturday night under the lights. This will be Matt Wells' first under the lights game against a Big 12 opponent. But interestingly, and I went back and looked, and you remember these games, Fitz, under the lights, K-State suffered a 66-14 to loss to Texas Tech yeah. in 2009. You remember that? Yeah. And then they posted a 41-34 victory with Colin Klein in 2011. Weird things can happen in Lubbock at night. Weird indeed. And last time K-State went to Lubbock, they fell behind. They put in a young quarterback named Skylar Thompson who brought him back and led him to a win in overtime. We haven't even mentioned the dude, Riley. Skylar's got to be good. Well, I mean, he's on trend right now. You know, back-to-back -back weeks where he, he set new uh, career highs in single-game passing yardage. I mean, I think that... We cannot ignore how, how good he is playing right now and, and how effective he is. Now you're facing a bad Texas Tech defense that's going to allow him to throw it if he wants to. I think Skyler's playing with a lot of confidence right now. I think uh, he's really clicking well. You can look at the last game, you know, the interceptions and kind of be a little bit 
uh, disheartened by that, I guess. But, you know, one is that kind of late Hail Mary. The other one is just a heck of a play yeah, that West was. Virginia made. So I'm not really down on Skyler. If anything, I'm um, as high on him right now as I have been in, in probably his whole career. And I'm not to say he's plays poorly at home or anything, but it really just seems like when he goes on the road in some of these games that that mean a lot, he, he really steps it up. I mean, you know, Texas Tech, that game, um, at Oklahoma State that one year. I mean, he, he kind of gets into this, this mode where he knows he needs to come out, silence an opposing crowd. And while this isn't a quote-unquote must win, because, you know, K-State's already at six wins, they're bowl eligible, this is one that's pretty important, I think. You don't necessarily want to go into the bowl game um, on, a, on a potential four-game losing streak. Snap it right now. Get this road win, and um, I think Skylar Thompson is going to be a crucial part of this game plan. Well, let's bring this full circle, Ryan Wallace, as we end the roundtable. You know, I want everything. I've made that clear. I want running, but I want explosive passing plays. And also, I don't want Skylar Thompson exposed to injury in the running game, but I want Skylar Thompson to run. They've just got to find that balance because, as we mentioned, Max Duggan had success running the ball, mostly on scrambles against this defense. Skylar's going to have opportunity. And I thought he kind of slipped into some bad decisions last week about when to run the ball, when to throw the ball, when to get rid of it, and when to run out of bounds. He, he made some really horrible decisions. Skyler's got to be more on point with his decision making. Tuck it and run it with purpose. Yeah, and I think he will be just because, as I was saying earlier in the show, I, I feel like this is a good, this is just a good matchup. You know, with West Virginia last week, stats aside, they still had some playmakers and a defensive coordinator, Vic Coning, that you respect um, and that had some athleticism and some potential you know, really aside from maybe one, two guys with this Texas Tech defense, I think Skylar Thompson's experience and, and his motivation to be better after a loss against West Virginia last Saturday, I think that'll be enough to propel K-State. Uh, I, I like the opportunity of Skylar running. Uh, I, I think we could see Jordan Brown maybe a little bit more involved in the passing game, out flats or on wheel routes more play action. I, I like K-State's offense in this one, and I like Scotty Hazelton bouncing back with this defense. It won't be easy. It never is in Lubbock, or it seems like it rarely is in Lubbock, but I think that you're going to see a really, really strong performance from Skyler Thompson and a pretty solid performance overall from this K-State team especially given the, the type of offensive numbers that Texas Tech has put up this season. Well, let's let Chris Kleiman bring this to a close as this roundtable session has been quite nice. Thank you, gentlemen. We asked Coach Kleiman on Tuesday about the need to have those explosive plays, and he said yes, but we can't forget who we are. He wants to run the ball. We need to still stay within what we do because I just don't think we're a team that's going to get in four wides and throw it 45, 50 times. We don't want to do that uh, in the same respect as, as we watched the TCU game unfold. TCU had a lot of success uh, with quarterback scramble. I mean, they blitzed the heck out of, uh, out of TCU, Texas Tech did, and the quarterback beat him with his feet. And so Skyler's going to have to be able to avoid some, some rush as well simply because if we want to get into a throwing game, it's going to be a pressure game. We saw that in the last couple weeks that they've played. Uh, so we still need to establish the run so that we can't get into a nothing but throw and they can lay their ears back. Or if we can't run the football early and we're in a bunch of third and longs, they're, they're going to pressure us. And, and that's something that uh, 
You know, we want to be able to run the football on a third and four, on a third and five. We've shown the ability to do that with the quarterback run or with our jet series. But when you're third and nine and ten, you know, defenses aren't as worried about it. Now we bring in Jared Johnson, publisher of InsideTheRedRaiders.com, our sister site here on the 24-7 Sports Network. Jared, how are you doing today? I'm great, man. Thanks for having me on the show. How are your Red Raiders doing today? What is the mood in Lubbock after that loss to TCU? Well, it's not good, as you'd expect. Yeah. Uh, if you ask uh, the common fan, they're sort of like, thank God it's basketball season, which, you know, <laughs> yeah. I think y'all could probably understand at least in years past. Yep. Exactly. Uh, but, no, you know, it's, I guess, similar in that it's the first year uh, under Coach Wells. So there is a little bit of patience, but then again, uh, it's been 10 years of, let's just say down football in Lubbock and the natives are restless. There's, there's no doubt. I mean, uh, coach Wells is not a red Raider. It's not a situation like Cliff Kingsbury was where he was a former great quarterback and all that. So he doesn't have that kind of a goodwill, uh, built in. So, uh, yeah, the natives are restless. In hindsight, too much goodwill for Cliff Kingsbury, too much rope allowed to, you know, let him have one more year and keep trying to get better when they never really quite got over the hump. No, I certainly think so. I, I think uh, actually after 2016, they should have cut ties with Kingsbury, who, look, and I'm not just saying this. I know people preface it uh, a lot of times. They'll say something you know, nice, but, and then crush somebody, <laughs> but I, 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 he really is. Yeah. He's a great guy. You know, I've been blessed to cover a lot of sports, pro college, high school in my career. Cliff Kingsbury is one of the best human beings you'll ever come across in the profession. That being said, he simply didn't get it done and he didn't get it done on the field. And he certainly didn't get it done uh, on the recruiting trail. And so I, to that point, I, you know, and kind of what, to your point, they needed to cut ties two years ago, um, but they went further down the rabbit hole with them, and I think that's what Wells has inherited is a roster that's just – there are some good pieces, but certainly not enough depth to compete in the Big 12. So at this point of the season, I mean, you, there's a lot of freshmen playing, a lot of young guys out there, uh, and I think it's because they held on too late with Kingsbury. Yeah, I would agree. And I'm of the belief that it's almost impossible to build any kind of consistency. Mike Leach might be the exception in knowing how to do it. With that type of offense, because you just always seem to be putting your defense into bad situations. They don't get much yeah. rest. They get into shootouts. There's no way to build any kind of uh, rhythm, tempo on the defensive side of the ball. And once in a while, you can do it for a prolonged period. But over the hall, it's really tough. And what, how does Matt Wells's system vary from what Cliff Kingsbury brought to the Red Raiders? For one, they're almost exclusively in 11 personnel, which, of course, you know, a tight end, one back. Um, and that's how they kind of want to dictate what they do, both running the football and then getting some mismatches when they actually split the tight end out in the slot. Um, and, look, there wasn't, you know, to your point, they had four receivers, five receivers most of the time under Kingsbury, big-time spread, air raid-type offense. And so there weren't a lot of tight ends on the roster, oh, yeah. <laughs> just point blank. You know what I mean? So they're they're trying to recruit to their system. Dante Thompson as uh, a senior. He's put on some weight. He's athletic. Uh, you know, he, he, he's done some good things this year, but they don't have their guys in place to run those that system quite yet. But they want to run the football. 
they're uh, they were they were light in terms of the backfield going into the season, but they lost grad transfer Armand Shine for the season with some broken ribs a couple of weeks ago. Um, and then they have Sir Roger Thompson and Tazon Henry, who are both guys with uh, flat tires. Basically, they both have had sprained ankles and, and uh, feet problems really throughout the season. So, and behind that is a guy named Jax Welch, who is your classic. Um, smaller guy who was a former walk-on. He literally went to Odessa Permian High School, which is a Friday Night Lights fame. That's mm-hmm. basically where he comes from is that program uh, out here in West Texas. And he is a tough player, good player and all that, but he's not uh, your typical scholarship power five running back. So that, that's what they're dealing with. So they want to run the football, but I don't think they really have the personnel right now. And then last week against TCU, I mean, they got down 17 points and 21 points in the first quarter. And I, I think they, they ran the ball nine times with a running back. So that's not, that's not their formula. They want to run the football kind of like what you were saying. They want to uh, uh, kind of control the flow of the game more give their defense uh, some time to rest. And that's just not what's happening right now. Yeah. I'm, you know, at Kansas state, Chris Kleiman inherited uh, a roster that fit what he wanted to do quite a bit, just a physical running game. Some of the same, uh, philosophies shared by Kleiman and Snyder, although they go about it differently. The roster, for the most part, fit. Maybe they have a little bit different offensive line than they want, but as soon as I saw what Coach Wells was going to do at Tech, I was like, hey, you're going to have issues. <laughs> you, don't have the, you don't have the people in <laughs> yeah. place right there. And that's sometimes the most painful part of a, a new hiring and rebuild when you have to change directions like that and just getting the people in there. Um But that TCU game has to just be really disappointing. That was one that got away. That was very winnable. It was at home. These two teams had very similar games last week. Winnable home games. Let them get away. And for the Red Raiders, just put their backs against the wall. they got to beat K-State and want Texas to finish this off and get to a bowl. And it's still out there, but that's, that's a tough road. Yeah, it really is. I got to say, I, I watched, I didn't watch the Kansas State West Virginia game, but I watched the OU game uh, almost in its entirety. And man, I'm so impressed, uh, with, obviously, with that victory. And that's got to be huge for the program. Uh, it's hard for me to imagine that team losing to West Virginia because the, the West Virginia team I saw, and they and they didn't start uh, Daggy, though, I will say that. Uh, but the West Virginia team I saw was probably the worst in the Big 12, maybe yeah. even worse than Kansas. So I, I, I have a question for you. Well, how did that happen? Well, Dickey how, how is good. Just, he is good. Yeah, okay. he's he's good. He's more what they need. He, uh, if you go look back at the statistics, you're going to wonder how Kansas State lost, and it really came down to a couple turnovers and Dickey making big plays. I mean, he's just got that quarterback gene, as you know, as someone who's seen his brother yep. play. And um, West Virginia probably played one of their better games of the season when they came in here, and K State was flat. I think K State has been caught a couple times counting wins that they didn't end up earning including when they opened with Oklahoma State. They really thought they had a much better team coming off that Mississippi State win and and tripped over the Cowboys, and they just never saw this one coming with West Virginia. And credit to the Mountaineers. They just kept fighting, and uh, it just wasn't K-State's day. They just never got anything going, and every, every big play or break seemed to go the Mountaineers' way, and so be it. They've got their yep. six wins. They're fighting for a bowl position. So in that term, that this game becomes pretty good good and uh, for me for what I've seen so far of Texas Tech it kind of comes down to are you going to see good Jet Duffy or bad Jet Duffy and that really (laughs) depends a lot on how the Red Raiders will play 
Yeah, I, the formula for Tech winning in the Big 12 so far has been fast starts against Oklahoma State earlier in the season. They jumped out to a big lead, uh, and then against West Virginia as well. I think they scored touchdowns on their first five possessions, and that's really that uh, boils down to Jet because a lot of times he's inaccurate early. He just doesn't seem ready to go. He's missing reads, and then as he gets kind of in a rhythm, he starts coming on and. Just like last week, Tech will make a run. But, you know, I, you, you mentioned kind of Kansas State and West Virginia's game. To me, it speaks to just the parity in the Big 12 this year. And that there's just really not a, much of a margin for error with really any of these teams. So for Tech, it's been starting fast and then a huge uh, advantage in the turnover department. They were plus five against Oklahoma State. They were plus uh, four against West Virginia. So I think that's where uh, – that's Tech's, I guess, comfort spot. That's what they got to do, which, you know, uh, everybody wants to have a big margin in, in uh, the turnover department. And I don't know if, honestly, if Kansas State's, I haven't looked at the stats or anything, if Kansas State is a team that turns the ball over they certain, a lot. They certainly have it in the past under Snyder. So oh. uh, I, I wouldn't think just from what I've seen, they have it a lot with climbing. They uh, haven't. Uh, yeah. Until the last two weeks, they had one against Texas that proved to be pretty big in a game you lose by three points yeah. having a turnover in uh texas territory proved to be pretty significant and you know on saturday they they had a turnover on their last play offensive play of the game and uh skylar thompson just didn't lead the receiver dalton shown quite enough and underthrew it and had a touchdown if he got it out there and just didn't get it out there it got picked so yeah the turnovers the last two weeks have been significant and losing two single digit games and like you said there's so much balance and parity in this conference i would have never thought a team with the new coach was going to beat oklahoma be it k-state right. or anyone else yeah. but uh k-state was on their best that day and oklahoma was maybe a little shell-shocked from what how they got hit in the mouth by the wildcats so you just got to come out and play each game and for the red raiders i know this it's all about context defense seems to be better at times in uh lubbock and that's got to be another area where their rebuild is not not very easy because there just hasn't been a defensive mentality the kind you want in the big 12 down in lubbock no, there certainly hasn't for a long time. Um, I really a defense, defensive mentality. And they've had some good defenses, or they did, relatively speaking, with Leach. I mean, two thousand eight uh, when they won eleven games, they had a pretty pretty good defense. Uh, but it's been few and far between, really, since the late nineties, where they they ran the ball and played good defense under Spike Dykes. Uh, so that's a long time. Uh, yeah, this is kind of a big debate on inside the Red Raiders on our board right now. Is, is this defense really any better? Because you look at the stats, yeah, they're giving up less points, which is the ultimate metric. I said, you know, but then again, they're giving up, I believe they're worst against the pass in the Big 12 in terms of yardage and, and second to last against the run. So really, in my mind, it's just the style of play. They're running the ball more. I actually, I, under Jet Duffy, they're not going as fast tempo. And I think some of the other teams, um, you know, certainly Kansas State still likes to run the ball. Uh, like, but teams like Baylor, Oklahoma, they still run the ball, uh, or they run the ball more than they did, say, four years ago certainly. or three years ago. And uh, I think that's the trend, and I think that's the right trend. I think it's still spread, of course, but having the power running element, kind of like actually under our brows, where they would, you know, you have to stop their power running game, and then they hit you play action over the top. It was pretty simple and quarterback friendly, but man, was it effective. And I, I think to me, that's the offense to run. 
I agree. Uh, I, I mean, I, that's the most successful offense. In I agree, football. and they paired a pretty good defense with it. In the in the fact that they allowed Phil Bennett just to go take a bunch of chances, blitz, blitz, mm-hmm. blitz, try to get turnovers, yep. uh, and you know if the other team's probably going to score, either let them do it quickly or get the ball back with a turnover. And once I got turnovers, it was blowout time. It's going to be an interesting game. I I think Kansas State's on the back end of their season in terms of. Uh, Having much gas in the tank, They're, they look. Yeah. More, they, the Wildcats look worn out. They haven't had an off week in a long spell. Their their off weeks were both early in the season, and you know, with the new coach, you don't have as much depth, and they're just running running low right now. And I imagine Tech's kind of the same way. Oh yeah, it's a battle of attrition. I mean, uh, we really, you look at it. If I had told any Tech fan going into the season that they'd be without Alan Bowman, that they lost early. Uh, TJ Vasher, who's been suspended the last two weeks, they're, you know, their leading receiver. Yeah. Um, and then Armand Shine, who is their starting running back to start the season. Jordan Brooks, who's really played at all Big 12 level, some say all American level. He's hurt uh, with the upper body injury. He tried to go last week and he just couldn't. He couldn't go. I even said to uh, our senior writer, Joe Yeager, I said, I mean, he, Brooks didn't look right. And then they pulled him like the next series. So. Uh, and he relies on speed and his instincts and everything. I, yeah, that's a big hole. I mean, he, at right. times he, he seemed like he was playing on his own out there on that defense. So that's huge. And then uh, several other DBs also struggled. If I had told Tech fans before that, they'd say, hey, they're not going to win a game without those guys. <laughs> you just don't have the depth, yeah. and that's really all their talent. So, but that's where they're at right now. And I, to Coach Wells' credit, to the team's credit, for all the problems, they're still fighting. You know, they could have folded last week. They were down 17 nothing, 24-3. They fought back. They took a lead in the second half. Now, look, they fumbled in the final two minutes, and it cost them the game, and they're struggling to win close games. But they're at least fighting, which, you know, you've, you've been around long enough. you cover enough teams. There's just some teams who just don't seem to have that mentality, and this team seems to, at least so far. Any update on Jordan Brooks for this weekend? You know, I think he might go because it's senior night. Sure. He's a four-year starter. I think he may suit up. It's hard for me to imagine him being very effective, but uh, you know, uh, he's played with, with like torn shoulders before. I mean, this is nothing new to him to have these kind of injuries and still played, you know, not necessarily a hundred percent, but up to a certain standard. I, to me, it's going to be hard to, to expect him to go four quarters, especially against this type of system. I mean, one thing, if he could run around be playing in space, but to be taking the pounding, I'm expecting uh, from Kansas state's, offense, then uh, I, I think it's going to be tough for him to, to play four quarters. That's Jared Johnson, publisher of InsideTheRedRaiders.com, our companion publication on the 24-7 Sports Network. Jared, I appreciate you taking some time and talking to us on the Powercat pregame podcast. Oh, man, it was a blast. Thanks for having me on. That'll do it for this segment of our pregame podcast. Sit with us. Don't move. Our analysts are all lined up and ready to keep you informed on what to expect for Saturday. We'll be right back. The experts from GoPowerCat.com will return with more on the PowerCat pregame podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We now send it back to the PowerCat podcast. Joining you once again, it's Tim Fitzgerald and Go PowerCat football analyst Marcus Watts. Welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. At Robbins, they strive to earn lifetime business and build relationships, selling quality cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs, and offering top-notch parts and service. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. And as always, we start our second segment with our friend Marcus Watts, who is somewhere out and about thinking about life and also pondering what the heck happened to the Kansas State Wildcats last weekend. Yeah, they got away from what they do. Yeah. You know, I mean, if it's not working, you still got to keep trying. That's yeah. just how this team's built. And, uh, you know, it wasn't working, so they they started to throw the ball more and that's not how this team's going to win games. Now, this is a topic I discussed with Brian Hanley coming up after this. You either got to stick with the plan or totally abandon the plan, and they kind of went down the middle of the road, and they just didn't get either done. Exactly. And, you know, they started off well. I mean, that was a, a great play call, you know, because teams are going to stack the box. So you can do that early in the game or an early in a down is, you know, catch him off guard with the play action, you know, pass. And, you know, they caught that big touchdown pass. And I thought the route was on. I thought they were going to win by two or three touchdowns. I think so at that they. point. And, you know, it's, you know, we talked about it last week's and before the game and last week's uh, podcast that this team can't take West Virginia lightly. I mean, cause at any given point they can beat anybody. And they flat out said some of the players, you know, we didn't respect them and, you know, we took it lightly. I mean, so you can't do that. And, you know, I blame that on the leadership of the team. These coaches are still learning these players, so you can't really put the blame. You can't take anybody lightly in the Big 12. I don't care if it's KU. I don't care if it's three and six West Virginia team. At, at any point, they can jump up and beat you. And so they got to come and play every week. And they just didn't come to play last week. This program isn't in a position to take anyone lightly. They didn't do that earlier in the year. And then I thought maybe they opened up Big 12 play thinking, ah, we got this at Oklahoma State, and they didn't. Uh, I, Baylor was better, no doubt about it. And in the last two weeks, they've missed opportunity to win games they should have and could have won. But that West Virginia game stings the worst of all because that is not a great team. They took a good shot from West Virginia, but it was still one they should have overcome. They should have won that game despite West Virginia playing maybe its best game of the season, and they just couldn't do it. Especially at home. Yeah. You know, it's where it's it's tough place for – teams to come in and play. I mean, Manhattan, Kansas, and Bill Snyder Family Stadium is one of the toughest environments for all Big 12 schools when they come to play. It's just, I don't know what it is. It, it's the fans. It's, you know, everything. It's just, it's just a tough place to play. 
And when this team gets on a winning streak like they have, it's, it just seems like there's always that letdown um, because, you know, maybe they're getting a little bit overconfident. You know, they just throttled Oklahoma, even though the score didn't indicate that. Uh, then beat KU pretty handily. Then you have the letdowns. They can't have it. They're not good enough. They don't have enough depth for that to happen to, you know, have a letdown and maybe eke out a game. You know, you got to come to play with everything. And, you know, this team has a chance to beat us. We need to come out and play hard and do everything we can to get the W. And it seems like that. And as the players have stated, they didn't do that. This is a Texas Tech team that's hard for me to get a grasp on. They they haven't overwhelmed me this season. They've had injuries. They have a roster inherited by a new coaching staff that doesn't really fit what they want to do. They've done a decent job with it and, and when you stop and think about it. They've got Jed Duffy, a quarterback, who's good and bad, and you know he's one or the other pretty much every week and not much in the middle. They go to West Virginia and absolutely manhandle the Mountaineers, who then turn around and win at Kansas State, and Tech comes home and loses to a TCU team that's running out of quarterbacks. Marcus Watts, I don't know what to think about the Big 12 anymore. It is a freaking mess. <laughs> I have no, let's just put it this way. The Big 12 is not that good. It's not. It just isn't. It's, it's, it's competitive it's, in a bad way. Yeah. And a one-loss Big 12 team versus, you know, one loss in any other conference shouldn't get in, in my opinion. Now, the Pac-12 is not that great either, but they've got a couple two or three teams that are actually pretty darn good that probably finish in the top half, top three or four of the big 12. It's just not a good conference. And you don't know what you, like you said, you don't know what you're going to get from a team one week to the next. I mean, Texas Tech scores on their first five possessions, touchdowns against West Virginia crazy against the same defense that K-State plays. And they couldn't even score three touchdowns, let alone five or six in the first possession. So you know, if Texas Tech plays like they did against West Virginia, K-State's going to be in some trouble. But this secondary has played above expectations this whole year. Right. You know, they've only given up a couple touchdown passes all year, and most of them were against West Virginia. And so they just got to get back to it. You know, losing A.J. Parker came back to haunt them this last week. Um, you know, not having him again this week is going to come back because Texas Tech's going to try to sling it around sure. because that's just the way the team's built. That's what they did to West um, Virginia. Yep. Yeah, and that may not be what the coaching staff wants to do, but they got to coach to what they have. K State secondary is going to have to play well. It's going to be one of those bend but don't break type games. I have a feeling. Just keep them out of the end zone, hold them to field goals, get some turnovers because Jet Duffy will turn the ball over. He'll throw it to you, uh, and you just got to capitalize on it. And they got to get. A, out of there on third and long like it just it doesn't seem like it's just this year because it happened with you know the past couple years is always converting on third and more than 10 oh no Uh, more often than not and it just even even a penalty stupid penalty pass interference penalty and they they just can't give up those plays you're not going to give up those plays and win period Okay, so it's been good this year in third down situations. And then in West Virginia, they stunk. And they've been good scoring touchdowns and not settling field goals. They settle for field goals. They haven't been giving up those throwing touchdowns. They give up three of them. It was just an out-of-character performance from a K-State defense and team that's been pretty good all year. They've got to get back to who they were. they just got to go back and think about what makes us good. And for me, it starts with the offensive line kicking butt. And if they don't kick butt, it takes them out of character and affects the defense in a strange way because now the defense is on the field more than they expected to be. If Skyler Thompson's thrown more than 30 times a game, they're in trouble. Then they're in trouble. Right. Because that's not, they're not going to beat teams doing that because they don't have the weapons 
to do that. Um, you know, Skyler could if he had, you know, quicker, faster, um, better receivers. He has good receivers, but not great. Uh, they're just not going to get off the coverage, man coverage, zones. You know, they're just not going to find those open holes as well as others. So they just got to get back to running the ball. If it doesn't work the first two drives, you can't go away from it. No. And you got to get more creative with it. They've gotten a little bit predictable with the running game. Yeah. And, 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 and even if you're running the ball, you know, it's still going to set up that play action pass. Teams are going to have to respect it. They're not going to be able to just sit back. Uh, and so you got to keep doing it to, to set up your play action because that's the only thing that really is going to work well for K-State and getting the receivers open is that play action pass. So I would like to get into deep breakdowns of this game, but for me it really feels like if K-State comes out and motivated and focused and stops the silly stuff, you know, it's not that they get a lot of penalties. They get costly penalties. They get third down penalties. They get penalties that take missed field goals off the board and turn them into touchdowns. They just Last week they did everything they could to help West Virginia win that game, and, and they succeeded. And they just, they can't do that. I mean, and they just got to get back to being. The it seems kind like they of get a lot of personal fouls this year. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if that's just. I know the coaching staff is letting them more. Probably has pulled off the reins, you know. But it's a discipline thing with personal fouls. Um, some of them, you know, are you know questionable personal foul calls. But just play the football game the right way. Play it to the whistle. Don't do anything stupid because you're just hurting your team in the long run. I agree. And it just seems like these, these personal fouls, like you would never see them as, as many personal fouls as you've had this year in recent, in past years. And, you know, this coaching staff, maybe they're letting them have fun is what they're doing. But there's also got to be some, you know, responsibility and the players need to take it upon themselves. That, Look, we can have fun and be smart about it and not make stupid penalties because a lot of the personal foul penalties are stupid and they're just, they're going to hurt you. I mean, it's 15 yards and an automatic first down. Right. Right. So they just got to cut back on those kind of types of things. Yes. There's going to be holding penalties throughout the game. There's going to be pass interference penalties throughout the game. They got to cut back on the personal fouls. Those things you can they really just control. Got to. That's yeah, just those about are things that the players can control. Exactly. Sometimes you get caught holding. Sometimes you get beat, and the pass interference is the best play in the world. But uh, not not what happened with Denzel Goolsby. They just got to be better. Right? It's so cliche. Be better, man. Just you've shown what you can do. Now go do it. And Marcus, I. I feel like this is an enormous game. I feel like if they lose this one, they're not beating Iowa State, and then they're at six and six. And at the start of the season, most people would take six and six, but losing four in a row? Hell no, that's not what you wanted. So I I just, I feel like this is a big one. They can get to seven wins and really have a fighting chance next week with Iowa State coming to Manhattan to conclude the regular season. And there's just a, for me, there's a big difference between seven wins and six wins. You are yeah, over I, 500. Yeah, and I thought that they would be f- either five or six wins right. this year, but I didn't think in those five or six wins, Mississippi State and Oklahoma were going to be wins. It's crazy. It's crazy. And so they're, they're losing games that they probably shouldn't have lost. Now we'll and see if they can get it. Right. Now, but you have an opportunity to finish, you know, get, get, get win seven, and then come home Thanksgiving weekend for, uh, you know, try to get eight wins. And that's a hell of a year. 
a hell of a year with an opportunity to have a nine win season going to a bowl game and a first year where nobody thought this team's going to finish in the top half of the big 12. There's no way they still have that opportunity to go out and do it. Yep. It's going to be very interesting. The cats and red Raiders 6 PM in Lubbock. Marcus Watts, like myself, will be watching on TV. Thanks Marcus. Exactly. Thank you. And now Brian Hanley, our football analyst based out of Frisco, Texas, joins us on the Powercat pregame podcast. Hello, fine, sir. How are you? I am good. How are you doing? I'm all right, man. I'm all right. Just wondering where the season will take Kansas State now at six and four. They've let a great opportunity slip past, but this was never a great team. And as I mentioned elsewhere in this podcast, 1-3, lost 2, 1-3, lost 2. A certain cadence has arisen from this season, and that would indicate a victory in Lubbock. But I don't feel confident in that. How do you feel? I mean, it's going to be a toss-up. I mean, Tech's playing better. I know they got beat uh, last week, but they're, they're playing better. So we're not playing well. So, um, but hopefully we can snap out of it. I, I feel like the guys may snap out. I'm just not confident. So hopefully they they play better. Hopefully we just play yeah. better. That's it. I mean, they just didn't play well against West Virginia. They played okay at Texas, but neither performance was good enough to beat the opponent at hand. And you just, that's all it takes. You just got to be better than the other guys. Right. And, and be uh, more timely. In your good plays and bad plays, if that makes sense, if you're going to get a penalty, don't let it lead directly to more points for your opponent. If you're going to have a turnover, don't let it be on what could have been the game-winning touchdown. And that's really what got K-State in trouble against West Virginia. In many ways, they were the better team, but they didn't make the right plays at the right time. Just didn't make the plays, lackluster effort. It was just a bad day. But you know what? Let's get it out of our system and let's just move on. I'm intrigued by Texas Tech. This is another new coaching staff like Kansas State, like West Virginia and Kansas. But of all the coaches, we're looking at a Matt Wells staff that probably inherited the least amount of tools to fit what they want to do. They want to be a little more traditional in the offense and go continue to go fast, but they want to tie it in in doing so, and that was taboo under Cliff Kingsbury. So they've kind of been piecing things together. With the personnel they've had, they've had injuries at quarterback, and now they've settled in with Jet Duffy at quarterback. And he does a good job, but he is very hit and miss. If he comes out and he's really good, Tech's really good. And if he comes out and he's ho-hum, Tech's ho-hum. And that's just been the course of their season for the most part. I was doing some research earlier, and I saw, you know, they never use a tight end. They haven't used a tight end there in I don't know how many years. I know. And now they're wanting to use one. So it was, it's it's different, but I think it's good. I think it works. Uh, they don't have their personnel, clearly. Um, but you know what? This is a game K-State should go and win. We are better than they are, but if we don't go and play again, we've talked about it time and time again. We don't have the luxury of coming out and being ho-hum, average, and going and beating people, especially on the road. We need to come out with our A game to be able to win this football game. Yeah, I agree. They have ho-hummed it a couple times this season and paid the price. That has to stop in this game. And we're talking about a tech team that might be 4-6, and but they beat Kansas State, and then they go into a rivalry game with Texas and Austin and probably feel like that's a winnable game to get bowl eligible themselves. So 
Uh, that win a couple of weeks ago at West Virginia was huge. Was huge, huge. for Tech. It yeah. built their confidence and gave them a much needed win. Uh, and, yeah. and it just showed how dangerous this Red Raiders team can be when they come together. Anytime you get a, a new staff, you're trying to find anything to grasp, you know, to, to build momentum on. And that win was a momentum builder. They come and beat us, and their season is not necessarily made, but they believe if they beat us and beat Texas, their season is made by going to a bowl game. So we've got to be on point because they're going to be on point, I believe. So we need to be on point to go and win this football game. Well, let's discuss on point. For me, it starts with that offensive line. Sure. Brian, that's your old gig right there. Uh, they have got to get physical again and assert their will. And for God's sakes, finish blocks. Play yes. through the whistle. Oh, my goodness. It's, it's. I went and looked at the game again last week. It was just – it, it was it was bad, you know. I don't want to keep harping on it, you know. That's 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 not my place. I don't want to do that to guys. At the same time, we need to be better. The offensive line has to be better. Everything that we try to do on an offensive side starts with them. I know that's cliche, but it's the truth, especially with the way that we want what we want to do on offense. They've got to finish blocks. We've got to get physical. Stop. You know, it's like they're taking two steps and thinking that the play's over and guys are spinning and twisting and then they just run off and they go make tackles. Like, just go run and just beat up a guy. It's okay. It's okay to be physical. we got to get back to that. You know, K-State, when they can't run the ball, I saw them – I could almost sense the coaches thinking this through. We want to run the ball. we got to stay committed to it. It's our thing, and we want to be the fresher, stronger team in the fourth quarter have them worn out. But we can't run the ball, so we got to get out of this and throw the ball. They threw the ball the most they have all season, the most in a long time at Kansas State. And I look back at the game, and I'm like, they didn't throw it enough. They, they should have thrown it some more because that running game was, for the most part, inept. And they found some things that worked in the throwing game. And they just got caught in between what they really want to be and what they needed to be. Exactly. And it's the last two weeks that that's happened because Texas refused to let us run the ball. I don't know that West Virginia necessarily refused to let it. I mean, they, they, they did a couple of things. We just didn't play well. Texas was a different story. Texas said, you're not going to run it. I don't care what you do. You're not going to run the football. And that was what they tried to stop. West Virginia just did some things where they were trying to stop it, but it wasn't just an all-out, hey, you can't just run it. So, And if that's the case, if teams are going to take away the run, then we have to throw it and just keep throwing it. Because if what we're doing isn't going to work running the football, we got to be able to move the ball somehow. And we can move it throwing the ball. We've right. been able to do that. So just continue to do that and make them take it away because sooner or later they're going to try to get tired of us going over the top, you know, hitting slant, you know, just getting chunk plays. They're going to get tired of that and they'll back up. Well, we have to make them back up because if they're not going to back up, then just keep throwing the ball. That's what got us in trouble at Texas is that we, they never backed up. They didn't care what we did. But we stopped, and we didn't do it enough. I know what they want to do. I know they don't have the tight ends and fullbacks to throw to quite like they'd like to. Uh, but you're going to have to find things that work. Other side yes. of the ball. Uh, this defense is going to have to come out and be really sound because Jed Duffy can throw the ball a little bit. Very yep. unconventional. He doesn't look like he can throw the ball. He kind of <laughs> puts it out there. Uh, but he, he's efficient enough in the pass game that makes him a nightmare in the run game because he is a jitterbug, and he can get around you pretty darn quick. 
Yeah, they're going to have to be sound, have to hit their all their fits. You know, guys be where they're supposed to be. Defensive line, you know, as usual, just getting physical and beating up people. So that's basically what we're just going to have to do is just come out, be where you're supposed to be, knock people around, run around, play fast. Play fast. They didn't play fast last week. That was disappointing. Got to play fast again. Yes, indeed. And all these teams, I believe, are one and one, the teams with new coaches um, in these games against the fellow new coaches. So this is a big game for K-State. I thought at the start of the season that one coach, one program would emerge from this group of four, and it looked like it was easily climbing, and here we are. Uh, it could end up being someone else, but this just feels like a really important game. They're both eligible. I get that. Thank goodness they are. The pressure would really be significant right now if they weren't, but I, I just feel like for the sense that this program really made a, a leap forward just didn't step into six and six kind of got to seven or eight wins that is significantly different that means something remarkable in my book happened with k-state football because here's the thing it doesn't matter how we got to six wins we're here and if we end up six and six on the season then that's going to put us in, regardless of whether we win the bowl game or not, we're going to be on a sour note because we lost the last four games in a row. So that's not where we want to be. You got to temper the expectations. I get that part. But at the same time, we were better. We should have won a couple of more games. And we can win some more games. There's nothing wrong with, with, with having better expectations as the season goes along. There's nothing wrong with that, regardless of where we thought we were going to be. Hey, we're past that. And it's a good thing to be past that. But at the same time, now let's capitalize on that. Let's not rest on our laurels. Let's go and be a better football team. And now we got to go show it. We think that we're that. Now let's go show that we're that. Well, it's time to get greedy, and it starts in Lubbock, Texas on Saturday night. Cats and Red Raiders, let's steal a little candy if you're the Wildcats and um, see if they can get out of there with a victory. And afterwards, Brian and I will gather once again and talk about it with the Powercat postgame podcast. I saw it was 6 p.m., and I'm like, oh, dude, I'm just, I'm old. That's a late night. But we will have a podcast ready for everyone. If they want to wait up Saturday night, it'll be there, or Sunday and Monday, it'll be there waiting for them, hopefully after a K-State victory. Absolutely. Now let's turn our attention to our friend Kelly Stewart, Kelly in Vegas. You can find her at wagertalk.com. You can find her at Go Powercat, occasionally doing videos. I assume there's no video this week because no one oh, wants no, to bet. Oh, no, there's a video this week. Oh! There's a video this week. We went last week without one. Yes. You know, it depends um, what else the college football slate has. Yeah, sure. And, uh, you know, we try to put out what we think are going to be the best videos, and especially if there's an edge to be able to give out. And I do think there is an edge this week with K-State. Well, very good. Let's get after it as Kelly gives us a scoop on the Wildcats and Red Raiders. Didn't K-State open as a one-point favorite? They did, and they are now a two-point underdog. I bet K-State had a pick em earlier in the week when it first came out and said, you know, I made K-State a three-point favorite in this game. I actually tweeted that out prior to the West Virginia game. I said we'd be a three-point favorite at Texas Tech and be a three-point underdog at home to Iowa State. And uh, it looks like the market disagrees with me, and I'm okay with that. I feel like they tend to be wrong about Kansas State a lot. We have a bookmaker named Matt Lindeman here at Circa. He's uh, downtown, and he 
laughed when I asked him to put out a total on K-State basketball hmm. for the season win totals. And he did the rest of the Big 12. And he goes, K-State is the bane of my existence. And I can see why a lot of bookmakers probably feel that way. K-State supersedes expectations often. And then is really disappointing like they were last week. So I know they were the bookmakers were happy for K-State to get the outright loss there because K-State money line was in a lot of parlays. Well, if you track the season so far, you have three wins, two losses, three wins, two losses. I see a trend here. Do you think the Wildcats will win in Lubbock or at least uh, cover what now is a Texas Tech minus two? Yes, absolutely. I think K-State gets in there. Listen, every single time they get a little too big for their britches, what happens? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they get smacked in the mouth, and that is exactly what happened. I think that West Virginia is not the superior team, but West Virginia played Texas tough for three quarters. They played Baylor tough for an entire game. I knew they would play K-State tough, but I did not expect them to get the outright win, and sure enough, they did. That was expensive. My... Uh, West Virginia alumni friends were really happy to finally get some money back from me on that one. I'm telling you what, I, that quarterback made all the difference because he made plays when they needed it, and that had not been happening from that position for the previous parts of the season, and that's a credit to Jared Deggy, and I think they found their guy going forward for next year. Back to the Texas Tech game. How do you think this game breaks down? Listen, the Red Raiders have shown some real moments of greatness this yep. year. Being a double-digit underdog to Oklahoma State, Duffy was able to get in there and handle business. And then other times we've seen him fall really flat, namely in the first half last week versus TCU. I was holding a Red Raiders plus three ticket, and I thought it was done for. I was like, well, that was stupid. Thank you, Texas Tech. And they came roaring back in the second half. Why? Because they have that really fast-paced offense. And that's where K-State's defense is going to have to be better than they were last week. If they want to win this game, they're going to have to be able to shut them down. Now, were they able to shut down Oklahoma? Yes, to an extent they were, but it's a, it's not a similar offense in playmaking, but it's a similar offense in tempo. I do think K-State's defense did get punched in the mouth last week, and I think they're going to come out a lot stronger this week. I do think K-State's going to be able to have their way with Texas Tech offensively because we do control the tempo of the game, control the clock. Offensively, we just wear down these defenses, and I believe that's how they're going to be able to win this game. I looked at the over-under number on this game, but I can't remember it now. What is it? The total on this game is 55, which is really interesting. Every single time I think K-State's an under game, it goes flying over. Oklahoma, namely. Yep. Uh, that was a game that I was like, oh, if K-State's going to keep it close, it's going to be an under game. And sure was not because K-State put up big numbers offensively. So I don't have a big opinion here on this total. Looking at my notes, I made the game 52. So that should warrant a uh, underplay. But again, every single time I've said, hey, this is a definite K-State underplay, they for some reason show up offensively. So keep an eye on that one. If it starts to trickle back down in the 54, 53 and a half range, it may, it may be the right side. Well, let's look around the rest of the conference. Do you see anything that uh, really catches your attention? Of course, I think a lot of people are going to be wanting to back West Virginia this week against Oklahoma State after what they've seen from West Virginia, and I don't blame them. West Virginia back at home. The weather's going to be okay. If it was going to be crappy weather, I'd love to really make a play on the Mountaineers. But seven is the right number. It just looks really, really trappy. And uh, so don't buy into the Oklahoma State hype here. This is going to be a really close game. Iowa State laying a ton of points with KU. KU was able to get the backdoor last week versus Oklahoma State. If you bet them late – 
just remember this KU team still has talent as much as I don't think that they have it together. They do in certain areas and are able to excel. I, I'm not rushing to back KU here. I did lay the five with Baylor early on in the week. I, I bet at five on Sunday, thinking that Baylor was going to get bet up pretty high, and they haven't. They're only sitting at five and a half. A lot gets made of Tom Herman as an underdog, and Tom Herman smoked me last week. I laid the six and a half with Iowa State, and sure enough, Texas was able to keep it close. I was kind of irritated with Iowa State offensively <laughs> or defensively there, but that's just another story where Texas is loaded with talent, and at any point in time, you got to be wary of them. But I do like Baylor laying the five. Now, a lot of people would say, at least in this industry, that they had their soul crusher game last week. They definitely cost me a lot of money not winning that game outright versus Oklahoma as a 10.5-point underdog. But you know, Tim, I still think Baylor has a lot to play for. I think Matt Rule has his team well coached. And if they can beat Texas and if they can win their next game against, oh, yeah, KU, they'll be fine in theory, they'll be in the Big 12 championship right. game. So it's not like they are completely out. Yes, they're out of the national title contention, but those of us in Vegas will tell you they were never really in it. Similar to Minnesota, as we saw, you know, after they were able to beat Penn State, well, how come Minnesota's not even in the top 10 because they're undefeated? Well, the power ratings will tell you why. Sure enough, both teams lost the following week. So I don't think, unless Baylor's expectation really was national championship hopes, I don't really think the soul crusher game really comes into play there. And how do you have a letdown spot against Texas? Everybody wants yeah. to beat Texas. That is the team to beat. So I think they show up big this week. And then TCU at Oklahoma, I mentioned I bet against TCU last week and was really kicking myself in the first half. But this TCU team struggles a lot, and we've talked about this before with their quarterback issues or lack thereof quarterbacks at any point in time. We may have a kid that played quarterback in high school under center, and I just cannot trust my money on that possible liability, especially against an Oklahoma team that came roaring back in the second half, gave Baylor basically five minutes of possession in that second half of that game. So look for Oklahoma to keep their pedal to the metal, but I think Oklahoma's chances of getting into the college football playoff are all but done as well. Yeah, they're going to need some help. I think there's no doubt about it. They're going to need some chaos in the Pac-12 and, and some back and forth in the SEC with some upsets, which we don't typically see. That's the thing about the SEC that I think is a little bit different. There's some real separation between their top and everyone else. You don't see a lot of those teams losing like Oklahoma did to Kansas State. You're right, and, and we see it every once in a while. We'll see a team falter, but it's very rarely in Alabama. If they do lose, it's to Georgia or it's to LSU, and, and you're absolutely right. I mean, years ago, we used the hashtag SEC myth because to say the SEC is the best conference, they're not. They have the, some of the best teams in the country, by all means. But the parity level is just not there like we do see in the Pac-12 and the Big 12. And and really, outside of Clemson and the AAC, the AAC is all over the place. I mean, looking back, how did Duke throttle Virginia Tech like they did? And now, you know, Vautex roaring back. So it's it's interesting to say that. But you're right. The, there's about three really good teams in the SEC a couple of good teams and a lot of really bad teams. And let's keep in mind, the SEC is in November. It means with, it's time to cash in the fact they only play eight conference games and they're going to line up against a team like lower middle eastern state and beat them. You know, they get a free pass in November quite often, and it's maddening to me that they get away with scheduling only eight conference games. That it's games. still allowed to happen, right. yeah. And you it, know, they're not devalued it, for it. 
Well, when you play teams like Western Carolina and Sanford and Eastern Tennessee, Abilene Christian, Tennessee Martin, I mean, those are just a few of the teams that the SEC is playing this week. While, you know, LSU gets to play Arkansas, they might as well be playing Tennessee Martin. They're the All biggest right. spread on the board. So it's, uh, it's, it is maddening that it's allowed to still happen. There's some definite uh, bias in the NCAA towards them as well. And it, and it's just how it is until another team comes in there and proves that they're better. We're going to see that continue to happen. I agree 100%. It is Kelly Stewart, our Las Vegas odds maker. You can catch her later this week at gopowercat.com. Maybe it was earlier this week, depending on when the video arrives. And of course, we're going to do it. We're doing it here in about half an hour. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> so it'll be uh, probably awaiting this podcast. It'll probably be out tonight on Wednesday, and then Thursday it arrives the podcast. Kelly, thank you very much. Absolutely. Thanks, Tim. It's hard to believe, but it's game 11 of the 2019 Kansas State football season under first-year coach Chris Kleiman. And Saturday, the Wildcats play at Texas Tech. We've heard from the Go Powercat staff as well as our GPC analysts and Jared Johnson from the Texas Tech 24-7 Sports Network site. Coming off that 24-20 loss to West Virginia, Kansas State is on its heels heading to Lubbock. Subscribers to Go GoPowerCat.com can read my five keys to victory analysis Friday at GPC, but in a minute, I will give you my score prediction for this contest. As we wrap up this week's PowerCat pregame podcast, we want to thank our sponsor, Robbins Motor Company, and I remind you that a subscription to GoPowerCat.com now comes with a free no-ads subscription to CBS's all-access streaming service. It adds more than $100 of value when you sign up for our award-winning coverage of K-State sports at Go Powercat. Don't miss out because these are fun times to be a K-State fan. And go click that join button and check out the special that fits you best as we come down the home stretch of football. And make sure you listen to the Powercat postgame podcast after Saturday's game. I will be joined by former Kansas State offensive lineman Brian Hanley as we wrap up the day's happenings in Lubbock. And now it's time for my game prediction and yes the Wildcats should be returning to their winning ways Kansas State 31 Texas Tech 27 I'm Go Power Cat publisher Tim Fitzgerald it's the Wildcats versus the Red Raiders Saturday at 6 p.m. in Lubbock Texas you've been listening to the Power Cat pregame podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 